If you would, before we begin, there are songs at the end of each of your rows. I think both in the middle and on the outer sides. We're actually going to use this as a hymn of response to the sermon. Um, and I would invite you to just have that in front of you so that we can move right into that following the sermon. It's Lord You Sometimes Speak. So if you can grab a copy of that, pass it down. We will be all set. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. I have always had a fascination with listening to people's encounters with God, hearing how people experience God in lots of different ways. Some folks, when they say how they found God, they talk about hearing a clear, distinct voice. And others say it's that slow-moving feeling in the gut, the feeling that they just know that God is leading them in a certain direction. And others read it in scripture, and still others through life experiences. But whatever the case, I am fascinated by, how we, by hearing how people experience God because it always gives us insight into the one being called and to the caller, God. And so Jeremiah's story this morning might be a story that we quickly overlook because it's just another one of those prophets being called to do the work of the Lord. And Jeremiah's story isn't as shocking as Moses' burning bush or as Joseph's dream to take Mary as his wife. But it's also not as basic as Jesus calling the disciples and saying, come, follow me, and they just got up and followed him. Now, Jeremiah's call is told in the first person, which I think is always better, because then we get to hear not only what Jeremiah heard specifically, but what he said and a little bit of what he was thinking. Now, the call begins with God talking first in verse 5. God says, before I formed you, Jeremiah, in my womb, in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, immediately, when Jeremiah hears these words, he goes, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. Sorry. It's not going to work out. I can't do that. I'm... I don't know how to speak as a prophet. You, you know, after all, I'm too young. Yeah, that's it. I'm too young. Well, what we know about Jeremiah was probably he was about a teenager. Um, there's some negotiation about that, but I think it's pretty much we can estimate between that 13 age pen and 18 years old that perhaps he was being called. And so he says, I can't do it, God. I'm too young. You wouldn't want me to do these things because also... At this early age, Jeremiah knew what a prophet was. And I find that interesting. But we think about these people. I mean, he knew who Moses was. He knew who Isaiah was. He, he knew all of these series of prophets, and he knew it was a hard life. And I'm intrigued by the concept of objection. Of course, Jeremiah is going to object to such a hard life. Most everybody who was called in the Bible 
to be a prophet, objected. Well, except for Isaiah, who gladly volunteered. But even with Jeremiah's objection, the Lord had a comeback. And it's an interesting comeback. It's not your typical response that you would expect. He doesn't say, that's okay, Jeremiah. We can work through teenagers or anything like that. No. God says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. And what's interesting is that Jeremiah's objection had nothing to do with his fear of the call. It had everything to do with the facts of his being. In a way, God explains to Jeremiah what God is doing in calling Jeremiah. And once God addresses Jeremiah's fears, well, actually Jeremiah doesn't have any, anything to stand on anymore. In essence, that really was his biggest objection. So God assures Jeremiah that the words will be placed in his mouth by God, and that even though the work ahead is going to be rough, God's going to do the work. So I reflected on a lot of different call stories this week. Objections that people said to the call. We had Gideon's fleece, who didn't need just one fleece, but two. We had Moses' inability to speak well. We had Mary's virginity. We had Abraham and Sarah's age, and we had David as the youngest, a shepherd out in the field. You don't want to bother with him. Sometimes I wonder, why doesn't God just throw in the towel and say, please, can I just get a few volunteers to help me out? None of these people wanted the job, really, at first. David may have, but I don't think he really knew what he was doing. But can we blame them for their objections. All of them have been asked to do some pretty tough and unusual things. The reason for not doing something that relates to God's work are often reasonable and justifiable reasons. Most of us are not trained to be what God has called us to be, or if we are trained, we're ill-prepared. I know when I first felt called to go to seminary, I didn't tell anybody for about a year. Not only did I have my own objections to going to seminary, but interestingly enough, I knew that if I started to tell other people, they would have their own objections. Well, you can't leave teaching. We want you to keep being our tennis coach. My mother, how will you pay for your health insurance? And although God at times does counter people's objections in the Bible, such as offering Aaron for Moses' lack of speaking ability. The most convincing thing that is often said is something that we find again in Jeremiah's story. Instead of reassuring Jeremiah that, yes, you can do it, you can do it as a 14-year-old, you can do it, God merely says, do not be afraid. And it's a phrase we hear over and over again in the Bible. Fear not is an offer of salvation and a promise of protection. Fear not. Do not be afraid. The words resonate with us because I think all of us, no matter what our age, crave safety and protection, especially knowing it's coming from God. 
But something struck me in a new way these past two weeks as I read these passages, and Peter Esch Scott and Rosalind Ledger joined me in brainstorming through these, and we had delight in looking at all the comparison between these different passages that we heard this morning. We don't know all the reasons that Jeremiah was called to be a prophet or why God chose Moses or Joshua or Mary or Paul or, or many other people that we read about in the Bible. But we do know one basic thing that all of these people had in common. All of them were open to hearing God's call and accepted it. In order to hear a call, you have to be listening. And all of these people were in tune enough with God that they were able to hear the call. All of them were actually listening. About three years ago, as I was preparing to go in for my thyroid surgery, I was sitting in the doctor's office, and he was going over the perfunctory um, risk and side effects that could come from one's surgery. It was noticeable to me after, in afterthought that he didn't mention calcium deficiency, what I struggled with the most after my thyroid surgery. But the thing that he said the most common side effect from thyroid surgery was that there's a possibility, now he says, it's a slim possibility, but there's a possibility because we actually have to move your vocal cords when we take the thyroid out, that you might not be able to speak after your, your surgery, or if you are able to speak, your voice may never be the same. Well, my jaw hit the floor. I was speechless at that. And he said, I know, I know, you're a preacher. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> well, he and I were both delighted that my voice was not harmed at all in the surgery. But sometimes talking is a little overrated, even though we do a lot of it. This week, I decided to find out exactly how much talking we do. And there are lots of different research uh, studies out there that predict that we talk anywhere from 2,000 to 50,000 words a day. And most research shows that women talk more than men. And then there were lots of theories as to why that was the case. But whatever the case, we use a lot of words throughout the day, even if it is only 2,000, but even as many as 50,000 words. And it will come as no surprise to all of you that I enjoy talking. As a pure extrovert, I rely on my ability to talk to process what's going on in my mind. That's why so many people, many of you, and myself included, found it miraculous that I was able to stay quiet on my week-long silent retreat in August. But during that week of silence, I was amazed with the power of listening. I realized that I asked myself this question often during that week. What are we missing when we don't take time to listen to God? Yes, it's true. Sometimes we don't want to listen to God because we really don't want to hear what God has to say to us. Sort of like the people in the passage of Luke that Bryce read. They were all excited for Jesus to speak, and then within minutes, literally minutes of when he started speaking, they were ready to literally run him out of town and kill him by pushing him off a cliff. They didn't want to hear 
what perhaps Jesus thought they should be hearing. It's easy to hear the things we want to hear, but sometimes it's harder to hear the things we need to hear. Jeremiah's story speaks to something many of us know. We do not choose God. God somehow mysteriously, and sometimes even against our will, chooses us. Jeremiah says that he heard the word of the Lord. Well, the real sense of this passage, if you go back to the Hebrew text, is that the word of the Lord happened to him. So it's an event. Yes, an event that happened because Jeremiah was listening, but also because God had chosen Jeremiah from the very beginning. And so when Jeremiah heard this, he was willing to accept it. Over the past month, we have been exploring our visions for our future here at East Chestnut Street. We have heard lots of visions and dreams, thoughts, ideas about the future of East Chestnut Street. Penn added to the myriad of visions and dreams that we've been hearing. Some of these dreams we have agreed with, and they've given us energy and excitement, and others maybe we have disagreed with or perhaps have been challenged by. But today, I'm inviting us to stop the talking and the dreaming with our mouths and to open our ears and our minds to listen. Today, I believe God is calling us to listen, to take time to seriously listen, to, to seriously listen, to stop speaking for God, to stop speaking on behalf of God, to stop speaking instead of God. Maybe God is calling us to listen, to listen with love. The love passage that was read is a familiar one to many of us, probably so familiar that our mind went off to a wedding in which we last heard it read. Well, Paul didn't have a wedding meditation in mind when he wrote these words. You see, it was actually a pastoral crisis going on in, this, in the church at Corinth at the time. And the problem at the church in Corinth wasn't that the people were not having and acknowledging and using their spiritual gifts, but the ways in which these spiritual gifts were being exercised wasn't at all in a loving way. And so Paul admonishes and exhorts the Corinthian church with a simple command and his simple command to them is to practice love. Love is not another spiritual gift, but the way in which God intends for all of us to practice our gifts. There's nothing sentimental or wedding-like in the image of love that Paul sets before the church, even though it can be very much adapted into a marriage situation. Paul talks about love being active and tough, resilient and long-suffering. In Christ, believers are known and chosen by divine love. And perhaps their willingness to listen, combined with their ability to love, is what all those who are chosen by God have in common. 
The words of 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, are so familiar with us that I was delighted when Rosalind Ledger said that she had read these words from the message. And I think the message offers us a really good perspective at times like this when the words are so familiar to us. And so I want to read a few verses from this passage according to Eugene Peterson. And I want you to pay attention to how the words of speaking and listening and love are intertwined. Speaking and listening and love. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries, and making everything plain as day, but don't love. I'm nothing. It's a reminder to all of us, prophets and preachers, teachers, parents, children, spouses, loved ones. While our voices are important without love, our words mean nothing. And when we are speaking, it is really, God to, it is really hard to hear what God is saying. And so the message from the Corinthians continues from Eugene Peterson's interpretation. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it all as clearly as God sees it, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, Until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. May our visions and dreams and ideas for the future of East Chestnut Street spring from the love of God, that love which is described in 1 Corinthians 13. God does call some of us to be prophets like Jeremiah. But God calls all of us to find love and truth in the whole of the reality that claims us and requires strength in our intimate relationship with and reliance on God who calls each to us. To do so requires that we have deep roots in scripture and prayer and that we spend significant time talking and listening to God. One commentator said that in order to do this, we need to work at maturing in Jesus' own self-differentiation and outer-directed love to inspire and include, rather to impose and exclude, to build such communities in Christ as light for the world. All of us hear God in different ways. Some of you may say, I've never heard God. Some of you may say, I hear God all the time, and I don't know what to do with God's words. Some of us hear God in poetry, in silence, in music, in nature, in art, in reading scripture. Others hear God when they're out for a long walk or for a run. 
and others hear God through other people. But all of us need to specifically stop and work on our listening to God in our lives. Figure out how God speaks to you. You may need to try lots of different ways, but pay attention, open your ears, open your minds. Let us take time this week, this coming month, 2010, to stop, listen, and love. How will we know the direction that God wants us to know if we don't stop and listen for guidance? I've asked Marlon to wait a little bit before we sing our closing hymn. For us to appreciate the silence, to take the opportunity to begin our week in silence listening to God. And God may not speak to you this morning. It may be a time for you to practice the discipline. But I invite us to sit and listen in the silence and to not be uncomfortable in the silence. And then we will be led into the hymn that is at the end of your rose.